Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. and I would like to say thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, do please write to alecjan at gmail.com and do write podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Chapter 13. Cultural Clash. 17th to the 22nd of May, 1977. Ghana, former Upper Volta, Mali. How do they do that? What? asked Alec. Those women over there, walking along with singer sewing machines balanced on their heads. How do they do it? I marvelled at their strength and ability to achieve such a feat. Well, you even see tiny tots carrying small bowls on their heads. Alec replied. I guess it's their way of life. We wandered around Kumasi Market and saw men making leather sandals, women selling snails, baskets, clay pots and handmade soap, etc. Always something different on offer. The sound of music drew us towards a gathering of people. Looking over the spectators' shoulders, I saw three disabled men sitting on a piece of sacking on the dirt, playing simple traditional handmade instruments as they sang a folk song. Small coins thrown into the middle of the group by the onlookers were gratefully received. This sparked a discussion between Alec and I as we walked back to the Land Rover. The poverty doesn't improve, does it, Alec? Sure, there are rich people here in Africa, but the majority are poor. What were we reading recently in that Bible about Jesus telling a good rich man to sell all he had and give the money to the poor? Then another part said if you have two coats, give one to the poor, and if you have extra food, give it away to those who are hungry. How does that work out? In our Land Rover, we have far more to eat and wear than what we need for one day. What are we supposed to do? Give the rest away? No, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? What would the locals do with our dried food like the egg powder? We might have more clothing than we need now, but once we get back to cold climes, we're going to be very glad of our jackets. I wonder what they think of us driving around in our rugged Land Rover with all its mod cons. They would think it bizarre if they knew we had a chemical toilet hidden under the back seat. Wouldn't be without that for sure. It's been a boon to us when we've been in town or when an audience has stood outside waiting for our door to open early in the morning. Exactly. But what do many villagers have? A hole in the ground, if they're lucky. Yes, it makes your brain hurt trying to fathom it all out. Remember those four teenage girls in Cameroon? who came to chat one evening. Oh, the girls who love the Ovaltine drinks I made for them. Yes, remember what they said when they left. We will pray for you tonight. Will you pray for us? They must think that every white person is a Christian. Yes, but when did we last pray? After what Mary and Phil shared with us in Joss, do we know what being a Christian really means? Arriving at the Land Rover, we were happy to set aside those knotted thoughts and move on with the day as we drove northwards through the rolling green forests. 
At Techiman, there was no fuel at the main gas stations, only at a hand pump operated by a private individual who topped up our petrol tanks. We were not far along the road again before we had to halt at a police checkpoint. Where are you going? asked the pleasant policeman. Timbuktu, we replied, and not in jest. The policeman shook Alec's hand and waved us on. North of Wenchi, there were fewer trees as the countryside became flat and small cattle grazed on stubbly grass. We crossed the Black Volta River by the Black Bamboy Ferry and continued driving along a dirt road. The architecture had changed to rectangular, flat-roofed mud houses with walls connecting each building. Some of the houses were, unusually, two storeys high. Another police check, then a military check. They wanted to see our passports, vehicle carnet and international driving licence documents. The usual thing. We were given a letter to deliver at the border. Nothing to do with us. We were just providing a local mail service. Farmers worked on the wet fields as pools of water lay on the land where wild white irises flourished. The weather was cloudy, hot and humid and I felt clammy and weary. As the miles went on by, the vegetation continued to change. The further north we drove, the smaller the trees became, with little leaves. There were many bushes, and the grass was long, thin and brown. At Babila Market we stopped for a break. Plenty of locally grown produce was for sale, including frothy homebrew beer in clay pots. A crescendo of babbling noise hovered over the market. The beer must have been flowing since dawn. Men carried dried goatskin bags with leather straps tying the legs together, hanging on their shoulders. A lady sat on a tiny wooden stool, frying doughnuts in sizzling oil. Her pot-bellied naked toddler stood close to her side, with flies clustered around his infected yellow-crusted eyes. A man flagged us down for a ride and asked to get out at Laura. Then a policeman had a ride to Nandom. We became a welcome bus service. Next we stopped and I helped an old lady climb into the back of the Land Rover along with her walking stick and fully laden basket. She rode with us to Hamil, excitedly chattering away at her good fortune. It took us three hours to cross the border from Ghana into Upper Volta. The officials were enjoying a long siesta as we waited along with many other local vehicles. It was exceedingly hot and our patience was tested. Officialdom complete, we drove on past several villages to be well away from the border crossing before we found a place to park for the night. The air was oven hot and humid. Flies bugged us incessantly. What a night! There was a humdinger of a tropical storm, claps of thunder loud enough to wake the dead. White lightning streaked across the black sky with torrential rain beating on the raised roof. It was a real test of Alec's handiwork. Not even a dribble of water seeped through the hinges. See who's out there? I asked Alec, having heard an undertone of voices. Alec raised the blind. Oh, it's just the morning gorpers. Four lads standing in a row, and each with a dibber spade hanging over his shoulder. I expect they're already supposed to be working in the fields. The lads chuckled as they ran off. We were excited to be on the road again, in a new land with new currency, different languages and new experiences to be had.
The people were out working on the land. Bare-breasted young maidens toiled alongside the older women who had small metal discs in their upper lips. Their homes were fort-like, with many clay pots standing outside. Beautiful water lilies floated on a still pond. Look, monkeys, I said, as a pack of light brown monkeys scampered off into the bush. These are the worst roads yet, exclaimed Alec, as the Land Rover traversed the rough road like a cross-country rally drive, and we were thrown about the cab. We arrived at Banfora, a pleasant town with some modern shops and buildings and a large market with plenty of imported goods. We bought fuel and changed money at the garage before enjoying a refreshing cold beer at a local hotel. Moving on, we passed by sugarcane plantations and sugarcane was for sale at roadside stalls. Gangly teenage lads sauntered along chewing on the sweet treat. We stopped to buy several huge mangoes also on sale. We both ate one straight away, enjoying the delicious firm orange flesh as the sticky juice dripped down our chins and wrists. Taking the main route to Bobo Dialasso, the road was much improved as we drove parallel to the railway line. We watched out for the donkeys pulling heavily laden carts along the road. Lads were playing football barefoot on some scrubland at the village of Dar Salami, a common sight as we drove through West Africa. The youngsters and their footy, how they love that game. We found an overnight parking place a few miles outside Abobo and enjoyed a good night's sleep. We felt a bit of a buzz the following morning as we were to visit the second largest town in Upper Volta, Bobo di Lasso. Quickly we washed, dressed in fresh clothes and ate breakfast before we drove into town and parked the Land Rover, all ready for the big explore. Brilliant, very French. Delicious fresh baguettes were too inviting to resist. We tore off chunks and munched away as we walked across to the fantastic two-storey market. Plenty of meat, fish, veggies, spices and imported goods. Enamel bowls contained thick, shiny golden peanut butter to buy by the spoonful and plopped into the customer's own dish. Sniffing the mix of aromas was a heady experience. Pungent dried fish heads battled with soft, sweet guavas. There were stacks of beautiful, brightly coloured, folded batches of batik fabric, too many to choose from. Women dressed in fabulous outfits, complete with cloth headdresses, all made of the same fabric. Giant clay pots were on sale to take home and store water. Weavers busily weaved away alongside the busy street, with the traffic going by whisking up the dust from the gutters. We were tempted to buy several souvenirs from the variety on sale. Miniature brass figurines of musicians and dancers, a petite cloth picture, and a gourd spoon with a pattern burned in as a decoration. We also found some interesting glass beads, like tiny sticks of multicoloured seaside candy rock. We soaked up the lively, bustling, noisy atmosphere of the vibrant town where everyone gathered. They came into market on overloaded bar chaise, converted small pickup trucks with a metal frame and canopy on the back and bench seats within. Big transport lorries carried passengers way up on top of the batten-down merchandise. 
Others arrived on mopeds and bicycles galore. As we drove away, we went through yet another military checkpoint. The excellent tarmac road went alongside well-irrigated rice fields and mudhouse villages. There were piles of firewood for sale along the roadside. Our stay in Upper Volta was kept short, as we were keen to drive on into Mali. We had no problem at the Upper Volta border control, so drove on through no man's land and arrived at the customs mud hut in Mali at a place called Kuri. Bienvenue! Welcome to the customs officer. He gestured for us to sit down on the string-strung metal chairs under the grass mat canopy outside his office. A young lad was busy making the tea, which was quite the ceremony. A small blue enamel teapot was nestled on the red-hot charcoal fire, burning in a special metal cooker on the ground. Gunpowder tea and a handful of fresh mint leaves boiled away in the water. At least ten heaped spoons of sugar were added, causing the water to bubble over, splashing and hissing on the coals. The lad poured the tea from a height, aiming the flow of steaming liquid into small glasses on a metal tray. All poured out, he then tipped all the tea from the glasses back into the teapot and put it back on the fire again. The tea hubbled, bubbled, hissed and splurt. The customs officer stamped our carne for the Land Rover and handed it back with a broad smile, his white teeth shining brightly against his jet-black skin. Du thé, he offered, instructing his young helper to pour and serve. One hour in all we sat there as we enjoyed three glasses of tea in total. After each emptying, the teapot was refilled with water, making the tea weaker with each brew. The first glass hit the back of your throat like a double shot of whiskey. The second was smoother like sherry. And the third glass was pure nectar. Welcome to Mali. Total distance driven, 12,915 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a Devil or Two to Boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.